The Business Buzz Podcast. The Business, Business Buzz. Buzz with Mudiwa Mobchester Gavaza. Good afternoon and welcome to the Business Pass of your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on VOFM. That's Voice of Vits. My name is Mdio Mob, Justice Kavaz, and I'll be your host on uh, today's show. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to keep you entertained, educated, and intrigued about the world of business. Now, for this week, uh, some of the big news that has come out uh, is obviously on the economics front, uh, the budget speech, uh, where the the uh, finance minister Titumbo when he came through to talk to us about how um, the year is going to be looking like in terms of the budget and uh, we're going to be having a conversation a little bit about that but you know some interesting things were um, you know is it going to be um, good for you know everyone especially consumers yes there's tax relief but at the same time you have increases in levies uh, such as on fuel and uh, you know some of the sin taxes so overall how is it actually going to benefit us. That's one of the things we're definitely going to be touching on for today. But otherwise, um, you know, it is uh, the last week uh, of uh, the year that, uh, not the year, sorry, Ooh, look at me. It is the last week of the month, which means, uh, you know, as is our tradition on the business buzz, we get into, um, you know, our brand new heavy um, episode. That's basically where we celebrate a young person in South Africa, 35 years and below, who is doing the thing in their industry and for today we're going to be you know having um, a brand new heavy that's going to be Sean Sanders who is the CEO of uh, Revix that is a cryptocurrency uh, company definitely make sure you tune in to our interview later on in the show as he's going to be telling us about his journey and uh, you know his life in the industry and where he came from if anyone uh, listened to our uh, previous episode about cryptocurrency he was one of our guests but for today we'll be hearing you know the man behind the business otherwise you can uh, keep in touch with us on facebook we have our film of voice of vids you can find our other facebook page that is a uh, vids radio academy and then on twitter we're hashtag uh, business buzz and our and our handle is at vow fm you can also find us on vids.journalism.co.za for all our great content and our podcasts on the other side of this we are also going to be getting into uh, the business wrap that's the part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news and today we're going to be talking to Vusi Maupa who will give us uh, some insight from National Treasury around the budget speech. So that's how the show is looking like on the other side of this we get into the business wrap. You're tuned in to the business bus. It's time for us to get into the week's top trending business and economics news. And for this week, uh, the big news of the week is obviously what happened um, with the budget speech. Finance Minister Tito Mboweni came on uh, to tell us uh, what's going on in terms of, uh, you know, the 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 the, the, the country's budget. Um, sorry, and this is following from the President's State of the Nation address a few weeks ago. So we're just getting some insight into what that is actually going to be like. Uh, but for today, you know, we usually talk to Ken Lebo or Zanele, but we got someone from National Treasury. Uh, so I'm happy to say that we're joined by Vusi Mawuba um, to give us uh, some insight into what's, uh, you know, what's actually happening out there. So, so Vusi, greetings to you. 
Hey, Mudiu, how are you? Now, doing all right on this end. I think, you know, for our listeners out there, um, one of the big things is, uh, you know, just trying to understand what uh, some of the big uh, talking points were uh, from Finance Minister Chitumbaweni's, uh, you know, budget speech. But more importantly, which aspects actually touch on the consumer? Thanks, thanks a lot for the invitation, Mudiwa and your host. It's quite an honor to be here, especially after uh, such a, a very hectic week of trying to uh, communicate uh, or deliver such a difficult task and a difficult conditions that is the budget uh, 2021. So the, the message, I think if we start to, to move from the context of just giving a bit of context of what is it that the budget was in fact trying to convey to um, the public in general and as well as the consumers included. So the, the budget, this budget year around this time was framed on two considered policy objectives that we set out in the last year's uh, MTBPS delivered in October 2020. And those objectives were promoting economic recovery and returning the public finances to sustainable position. We all know that the public, public finances have been uh, misprojected in the previous uh, uh, budget. It's estimated to be very high in terms of the debt uh, as a ratio of GDP. And uh, certainly we know that, uh, as presented by Minister Mboweni, that the COVID-19 shock is estimated to lead to a very significant decline in economic growth in the current year. But we've seen some improved global conditions and the ease of lockdowns that are giving a bit of hope and a cushion to our growth. And the months ahead with the uh, a highly anticipated rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine uh, will support the full record of, uh, opening of the economy. So the, in, in short, the 2021 budget really ensures that South Africa can manage the short-lived economic challenges including the COVID-19 impact, as well as addressing uh, the long-lasting structural challenges that you and I, the consumer at home, and all the public know of unemployment, uh, 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 including uh, poverty and as well as inequality. Um, I think something that, uh, you know, listeners, especially those, you know, you're, you're buying bread, just going about your everyday life, might want to maybe get is on balance. Um, on the one hand, we have increases in things like levies for fuel, but at the same time, um, there's increases. Um, you've got increases in things like uh, fuel levy and also sin taxes on uh, cigarettes and things like that and alcohol. But at the same time, there's been a pullback in terms of, uh, you know, some of the tax relief that's been given you know by government so you know on balance you know where do south africans stand is it uh, more in terms of you know costs are likely to rise or more on the front that uh, you know they're likely to see uh, that relief uh, you know uh, touching them in their pockets that's a great question Mudua. and look at you know just also to highlight that the government has you know it doesn't control the pricing in the market Obviously, we make policy decisions that do um, directly or indirectly impact the, 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 the market. But what I can tell you now is, uh, remember last year we did announce some uh, tentative measures to increase revenue. I think we penciled in in the budget about $40 billion for the next four years. So those measures, that's one, have been withdrawn. So that's a relief. Uh, to where this because if the tax measures, for example, would come into the personal income tax, they would be heavy if they would come into CIT, yeah, this is consumer 
um, uh, the corporate income tax, they would be heading much strain, especially under the certain conditions. So during the time of the budget, we didn't really uh, highlight where it will come from, but after careful thought and consideration, we now not longer gonna raise uh, and have any tax policy measures that, that we announced of 40 billion. And yeah, of course, look, the Tesla income tax, the taxpayers will be better off with this 5% increase, so they'll have much more uh, lower tax to pay, especially with uh, these brackets that have been introduced by SARS. And we do have, as you are rightly indicated, the increase in excise duties on alcohol and tobacco by 8%. Uh, obviously, inflation-related increase of 15 cents per liter in general fuel levy and higher inflation increase of 11 cents per liter in the road accident fund levy. This will come into effect on the 7th of April 2021. So, you know, we will see increases in this day on the 7th of April uh, in the cost of, of fuel. Uh, to your point again, how does it affect the consumer? The cost of point the uh, cost of fuel will um, is increased by this structural adjustment, uh, and uh, we would have also, um, you know, some factors that feed from the fuel levy uh, that would also need to adjust accordingly. But we've seen, I'm not sure what the market is saying, but we've seen some very strong rendering against the U.S. dollar that will also highly likely to caution the impact of these structural changes in the short to, to medium term. All right. And then in the last uh, 30 seconds, uh, you know, for people that may not fully understand because we talk about taxes, etc. Is that the only, because I think because of COVID-19, people really wonder how does government get its money? You know, is it all just coming from tax? Are we borrowing? Like, um, where do we stand on that front? Yeah, just briefly, is definitely one big consideration is to, uh, you know, once we are putting measures to uh, spend on this COVID-19 to help the, the consumer and the public, we did not raise the taxes, that's one. But the significant portion of government money comes, as you say, from taxes. We're talking about 1.4, um, uh, around 1.4 uh, trillion that comes from taxes, that's 7.2. Uh, 72.6%. Government borrows around 40, uh, 482 billion, and then there's some bit of non-tax revenue of about 1.7% of the total government revenue. So taxes certainly do contribute a lot into the government fiscal. And when the economy is not doing well, uh, it certainly means that we won't have the resources or the revenues that we anticipated. But what we've done with this budget, instead of uh, 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 charging taxes, we looked at how do we prioritize spending within existing baselines, as well as commit to uh, spending on programs that are not last long lasting. So, uh, like the you know COVID relief packages, which are short term by nature, and uh, once we address some of the long lasting uh, issues that the country faces in the long term. All right. Uh, we're certainly looking forward to engaging with Vusi again uh, so that we can get uh, some greater understanding. But that was um, Vusi Maupa, who is uh, from National Treasury, giving us some insight um, into some, you know, the highlights uh, of what was actually going on in and around the budget. He's also just highlighting uh, some of the big points, the considerations they had to make in terms of balancing, you know, spending on COVID-19 uh, versus giving, you know, some type of relief to consumers. 
consumers, you know, whilst at the same time trying to find ways of uh, increasing the government's revenue. Uh, you heard there that a big portion comes from uh, the taxes that, uh, you know, that we pay about uh, 70, 72%. And then uh, the rest is coming from things like, uh, you know, borrowing. He said around uh, 400 or so billion uh, rand is coming, is uh, actually being borrowed, uh, you know, from the rest of the world and also from domestic uh, from domestic sources. Um, you know, we hear about the bond market and things like that. I think for me, one of the most interesting parts about the budget speech uh, was the fact that uh, one we were expecting to hear a little bit more detail uh, just around what it means and what it takes um, to run some of our you know ailing state enterprises such as South African Airways and um, ESCOM and you know it was a glaring omission that wasn't there and uh, but you know if you look at the budget review you actually see uh, that there is a lot of money that's been given an interesting one to leave out and I'm sure that it's something that has been causing a lot of discussion around South Africa. On the other side of this, though, we do continue with our show. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. More justice on The Business Buzz. Welcome back to The Business Buzz. And as is our tradition here, um, every last week of every month, we like to celebrate a young person in South Africa, 35 years and below, who is doing the things in their industry. And for this month... We are happy uh, to have someone who is no stranger to the business bus. That is Sean Sanders, who is the founder and CEO of uh, Revix. They are a, a company that's trying to help um, to make a cryptocurrency more um, accessible to people and, uh, you know, trying to make that trading a little bit, uh, you know, easier for the everyday person. And uh, they're offering some innovative products um, around cryptocurrencies. If you heard our recent show around, you know, all the Bitcoin craze and Dogecoin and all of this recently, uh, you would have caught um, Sean uh, talking about uh, you know what what cryptocurrencies are, what they are not, how can people get into uh, you know trading and all of that. And I'd invite that if you didn't uh, take a listen, you can head on over uh, to the podcasting platforms on Iono FM. Look out for us on Apple Podcasts together with Spotify. Just uh, type out. Um, the business buzz and you will find you know that podcast is available online otherwise you can engage with us on facebook we have our fmo voice of vids you can also find our other facebook page that is the vids radio academy on twitter we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz so we're with sean sean greetings to you once again hey yeah very good i'm great actually you know the crypto market's sort of been bouncing about the last while and it's oh, Bitcoin's pulled back a bit from its all-time high, which has, I guess, made a few investors a little sad. But I think this is a healthy correction. And, you know, with a market that's increased 7x since the time last year, it's sort of just a natural course. It's meant to happen this way, right? Of course, it never happens just in a vertical line. I'm good. <laughs> no, no, no. I think what you've just said is a, is an excellent place for us to start to say, how does a young South African actually get interested in issues of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Like, what were you reading when you were growing up? Like, you know, did you have a social life? You know, <laughs> all of these things. Yeah. And also, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I am from... Johannesburg initially. I then saw the greener pastures uh, when I turned 18. I moved down to Cape Town to study at the University of Cape Town. Um, I went to St. Stephen's Boys 
uh, in, in Santon or Santon Randburg area. Uh, so I finished my high schooling there and then, yeah, like I said, came down to Cape Town, studied a Bachelor of Business Science in Finance. I did my honors in finance. I was fortunate enough to uh, be awarded Magnum Cum Laude for my degree. And that was because I was a little bit captivated. So I'm a finance geek. I really enjoy the financial markets. I really enjoy investing. Um, and I was actually really fortunate, I suppose, in my second year of university, I got picked up by a modeling agency in Cape Town. They were looking for really fit and strong guys. And I landed up wanting to be a professional rugby player uh, while being a bit of a finance geek. And I sort of fits into the mold of, you know, this mental kind of guy. So boy next door, happy smile, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> got pulled into the modeling ring. And this is a very interesting story to get into crypto. But I got pulled into the modeling ring. Next second, I was traveling across the world while studying. And I landed up meeting a bunch of models. And I'm talking now, you know, 20, 21. And I landed up meeting a whole bunch of models that are earning a lot of money uh, on a daily basis. And I'm talking, you know, a couple thousand euros every single day. And they're busy flying around the world. And the thing is, they leave their money. And I mean, obviously, this is not all models. I'm stereotyping. But the models that I was meeting, they were leaving their money at the modeling agencies. So that means that a model would arrive in Milan or arrive in Barcelona or arrive in Madrid or whatever the story is. And a modeling agency would either, would either give them a prepaid card uh, with some cash on it, or alternatively give them a big wad of money and say, like, this is the money that you earned the last time you were here. And the modeling agency was effectively acting as a bank. And I thought this was insane. I thought, you know, you should rather be investing this money. And this is back when interest rates in developed markets were actually at a reasonable level and you could earn a return. So I said to them, no, this is insane. Like, let me assist you with managing your money. Remember, 21, 20, 21 years old. So it's a bit like I look back now and I laugh at myself. But anyway, so landed up actually managing some of these models' money. And I'm in a very short pace of time, actually, the, um, the amount of money I was managing went to over 20 million rand. At that point in time, it was about $1.8 million. Now, this is this wow. 20, 21-year-old guy that is managing all this money. And you know, this is something that I didn't want to tell my parents because they would have completely, you know, they're both financiers in their own right. My dad's an accountant. My mom works at R&B. And uh, they would have completely slapped me. So I, I kind of hid it from them for a while um, until the day came when one of the, the, the models that I was investing for decided, well, she wants to buy a house in in London and I invest I had invested in South Africa and I realized oh gosh like you know I need to be able to move this money to London and I had no idea how to move this money right and as a South African as well you know you obviously face exchange control issues you know so you can apply for that capital exemption right and you can move more than you know, X amount of money so you can move more than a million rand but less than 10 million rand out of the country and I went through this entire process and I was like this is incredibly inefficient right it's a painful process to go through um, is there not another way that I can move this money that's a little bit more efficient uh, and that doesn't cost you know, 3 or 4%? When you move a million rand and it costs you 3 to 4% to move that money, I mean, in some cases, people are paying you know, 7%. Um, but when you're paying you know, those sort of percentages, you're talking 30,000 rand, 40,000 rand, 70,000 rand. That's an insane amount of money just to move the money offshore, right? Um, and that's where it came about, you know, after doing a bit of research online, this weird and wonderful concept of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And now this is really in the early days. And uh, that was the first time I ever experimented with crypto. We landed up um, moving the money offshore initially, moving it to a, it was a London-based bank account at that point in time. Uh, it was really complicated then to buy cryptocurrency and finally bought my first Bitcoin. Had Bitcoin for maybe about two and a half hours as I moved it across to the US, sold it off on an exchange over there and landed up returning the money to the model. And I never th thought of anything after that, right? So I was like, oh, that was quite interesting. I didn't really understand how blockchains worked. Um, but I was like, wow, that was, you know, pretty efficient. Uh, fortunately, you know, the price didn't change all that much. I actually ended up making a little bit of money out of the transaction and it was done. And I didn't think of crypto again until, you know, early 2016 when I got interested in it again. 
And, you know, I was working for a family office in the United Kingdom. So family office is really where somebody has a load of money. You know, they need to hire their own lawyer, their own analyst, their own financial team to be able to manage their, their, their investments. And I was working at that company and I was meeting a lot of high net worth individuals. And I was in a very fortunate position uh, where I was infatuated with alternative assets. Alternative assets are uh, pretty much anything that aren't stocks and bonds. So if you're looking at property, if you're looking at you know, even buying weird and wonderful things like baseball cards, or sneakers, or fine wines or classic cars, uh, cryptocurrencies fall into that. Um, and I'm kind of infatuated with this market. I guess startups as well, like actually investing in startups uh, falls into this category as well. And I ended up speaking to a whole bunch of high net worth individuals who wanted to get exposure to these areas and just had absolutely no clue how. So I formed my, uh, I formed my second company, and it was called Supplier. Supplier was a proprietary trading firm where essentially you can buy and sell these different assets. And I started working with some high net worth individuals, and it was, it was pretty much no time whatsoever that the, the questions of crypto kept coming up. You know, what is Bitcoin? And at that point in time, I was like, I don't know what Bitcoin is. It's magic internet money. Uh, fast forward a few years, and uh, you, you look at what we have today, and there's Revix, right? So, I mean, I, I kind of missed out a very big part of that story. But from working at Satire there, um, it just became very apparent to me that there was a need amongst high net worth individuals, which are generally sort of early adopters in the alternative investment space, uh, that they wanted access to digital currency. They wanted access to cryptocurrency. At that point in time, there was just you know, not an easy way to get exposure to crypto. And there certainly wasn't a responsible way to get exposure to crypto. Because if you look at cryptocurrencies as an asset class, you've got Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are the two biggest cryptocurrencies, and they make up about 74% of the entire cryptocurrency market. So you know, people go out, they buy only Bitcoin or they buy only Ethereum, and that's like going out and buying a single stock, which is a bit ridiculous, right? You wouldn't go out and just buy Nasdaq stock or just buy Woolworth stock or just buy Shopify. You would generally buy and diversify and pass those stocks. And I thought this was bizarre that the same principle wasn't being applied to the crypto market. And that then led to the creation of Revix, where you said, well, there's a problem here. You know, people are not investing in this asset class the same as what they're doing in other asset classes. Diversification is the only free lunch when it comes to investing. Uh, you'll hear people talk about diversification again and again and again. And, you know, why are people not applying this to the crypto space? And yeah, that was sort of the premise of why we started Revix was to say, you can invest in a diversified basket of cryptocurrencies for a very low fee. And it, yeah, ultimately is a more responsible way to go about uh, investing in this asset class. And that's how we started Revix. And now Revix has sort of evolved into a fairly big business. And, you know, we're expanding now into the UK, we're expanding into the, into the EU, which is all super exciting. So yeah, I think that's a bit of back, background on me and sort of where we came from. That's actually quite an incredible story, especially that tie-up between, you know, being in university, uh, having ambitions to become a rugby player, then getting into modeling, traveling around the world, realizing that, you you know, people, you know, your comrades are earning all this money that... Uh, they're just leaving with the agencies that they could actually be growing. Being 21 years old and having nearly 2 million, uh, is it euros or dollars that you're managing? And then, you know, using Bitcoin to sort of uh, go, you know, uh, sort of go counter to the normal repatriation systems that people have. And then actually, you know, it's a, yeah, that's, it's an amazing story. Um, and in all this, right, you, you, you touched on your parents, um, a little bit. How, how has, uh, you know, that relationship 
been. I guess my question is more because we're a business show. One of the things we like asking business people or people that are in business or entrepreneurs is, you know, what type of a relationship did you have with money growing up? Like, what were your parents or your family saying about money? Did they encourage business? Did they say, stay away from going your own way? You know, be a doctor, lawyer, accountant. What were you being told? Uh, no, my parents encouraged me. Uh, I don't think they actually needed to encourage me all that much because I was quite a little entrepreneur growing up. Uh, when I was 11 years old, I was selling skateboard stickers to guys in my grade. Uh, I made, I think, 10,000 rand. I think that was the amount, really, just selling these skateboard stickers. And the thing is that I was kind of asking my parents for, like, you know, printer, printer ink, uh, paper, and all the different materials that I needed, not having any cost of goods sold, any, like, overhead costs, and then being able to only make profits. So, like, everything that you make just goes straight to your bottom line. So that was fantastic. Um, I then got involved with, my word, I sold supplements in high school just as, like, another side hustle. I was like, well, I can import these supplements from the U.S. and sell them to guys in my school at a significant markup. It was like a brilliant opportunity. Um, and then there was a host of other small businesses, but my dad's an entrepreneur. I mean, he started his own accountancy firm. And he started a few different businesses. So he, he was, you know, air commerce a hustler. Uh, my mom was kind of the opposite. My mom worked at FNB and then she moved over to RMB in the project management side of things. And, you know, she worked like you've never seen somebody work this hard in your entire life. Both my parents are role models, um, but my parents were... Honestly, I think I'm a little scared to have kids because there's no way I'm going to be able to compare myself to their parents. Right? <laughs> so it's something I'm very grateful for. But I think in terms of just the way that they pushed me, I mean, it was from an academic standpoint, they pushed me hard. From a sports standpoint, they pushed me hard. But it was also, you know, just making sure that you have discipline because that's the other thing as an entrepreneur, right? It's so easy to throw in the towel at any point throughout the journey. Uh, being able to stick it out, having grit, uh, you kind of develop that in other areas of your life, right? You don't just start a business and then get grit. Uh, you develop that from sports. You develop that for like you know studying through uni and really going through those years for like getting through high school. You know going through the emotional rollercoaster that everybody goes through at some point in their life and coming out the other side being a more mature individual. And having your parents as a support structure, or even just having friends as a support structure, is so critical. And I mean, I can tell you the last two years. I mean, this year has really been a good start to the year for Revex. I mean, we have pretty much doubled our headcount. Are we moving into a bigger office? I'm pinching myself every single morning just about how we are growing. This is my dream come true. Um, but I owe a very big portion of my success to my parents because the last two years, you know, this is the sort of the, the period that you don't see when you see in uh, in your story, right? You don't see the struggle. You don't see the exceptionally long days, the nights by yourself in the office, the despair, the complete hopelessness that you feel when you're like, oh, my word, I've spent the last two years building something and, you know, it's not producing the results that we want. Um, and then you've got the opposite side of that, right, which is when you raise capital. So we recently raised fair amount of money that'll be hopefully announced to the market pretty soon. And uh, there's nothing that I can say is a better feeling in my entire life than going through this experience. It's been a, a huge slog trying to get to this position, but in raising capital, it literally feels like you know, you've just taken every happy pull in the entire world and you've taken more feed, you're the happiest human. And that's sort of you know, the position where we as a company are in right now, where we're growing quickly, um, operations are working nicely, you know, everyone's getting along with everyone. I mean, obviously this can't, yeah, it won't stay like this forever. Uh, but it is kind of that surreal moment where as an entrepreneur, you live for these moments. Mm. 
uh, that's uh, you know brilliant in terms of uh, that support structure from the from the parents um before we go to a break though uh what type of people do you keep you know around you now you know you've already told us the important role that your parents have kept are there any siblings or is it friends like how you know how do you keep yourself sane outside of you know keeping an eye on the crypto markets yeah, so I think there's this, um, this, this sorry, the saying that says that you are the average of the five people you spend your time with. And I like to challenge things. That's like the, the personality that I am. And I think that's a sort of silly approach. Like, don't get me wrong, you want to be with remarkable people. Like, you need remarkable people in your life. But you also need remarkable people that are just really good people. Like, people that you can trust. People that you can confide in. People that are just remarkable in a very specific way. Um, so people immediately want to go for like a successful individual and define success as being maybe wealthy or, I don't know, having a business or having a lifestyle that they would want, but they're not really looking for perhaps the characteristics that you actually need in that person or that person can actually offer you. So I've got a handful of friends in my life. Um, you know, I've got a sister who I'm very close to. She's based in the UK. Uh, she makes me look like the black sheep of the family. She's incredibly smart. Um, but my friends, especially, you know, my close friends in Cape Town, uh, my friends that are abroad, we keep in close contact with each other. Sometimes you actually don't chat for a long period of time, but you sort of know that person inside and out. So when you see them again, or you chat with them again, or you need to confide in them, or they need to confide in you, you know, it's like nothing's changed, and you really know that person. So I feel like those close friendships are critical. For me, they're absolutely everything. Um, you know, making, sorry, the, the journey as an entrepreneur is a very challenging one. It's an incredibly, incredibly challenging one. And those people sort of make the entire journey worthwhile. And it actually doesn't matter if you're going down the entrepreneurial route. Or if you're starting your own business, or starting your own uh, you know, side gig, side hustle, or whether it be you working you know, for another company or something, and wanting to start a business down the road, you need those people. I think it's so so critical. So you got to sort of nurture those relationships a lot more. Okay. So that's been us. We are talking uh, to Sean Sanders, who is the CEO and uh, the founder of uh, Revix. They are a cryptocurrency company. He is our brand new heavy for the month, giving us some insight into what actually got him started in the crypto markets journey from, you know, a serial entrepreneur doing skateboard stickers from back in the day, you know, all the way to wanting to become a rugby player into being a model, managing money and now running a crypto firm on the other side of this we continue with the show keep it locked this is the business buzz COVID biz biz on the business buzz for today in our COVID uh, business watch, this is when we look at uh, the impact of COVID-19 on various businesses in and around South Africa. And for today, uh, our producer Ntando went and spoke to Tsolofelo Mweketsani, who is uh, the operator of a kitchen that's called Tsolo uh, underscore M. Uh, we asked a number of uh, different questions, you know, about, uh, you know, launching the business during COVID-19, uh, what was her inspiration, and then and in what way uh, the lockdown has actually forced her to think outside the box when it comes to um, operating the business and some of the lessons that she has learned and, uh, you know, what advice she has for fellow entrepreneurs. Here's what she had to say. Hi, uh, my name is Tulofelo, a young woman from Soweto. I have a kitchen which I have named after myself called Tulu M, for which I'm working towards it being a brand that is on everyone's lips. Uh, Now, I launched my business in the midst of a pandemic. So what exactly inspired me, you would ask yourself. 
It has to be my son, of course. Um, he's always motivation towards everything that I do. I lost my job due to COVID, and I thought to myself, where am I going to get a job at this time when so many businesses are shutting down? It seemed impossible, honestly. Now, this is where I had to go back to the drawing board and uh, check for a plan B. I've got a son that I need to take care of. I'm a single parent at that, and I also need to take care of myself. And no one is going to save me. And this is where I had to think of what I was good at and uh, use it to survive. In this case, um, it, it definitely had to be cooking. Now, firstly, I don't have a restaurant and we're within a pandemic. So now I had to think of how is this going to work um, to, to work without it affecting my family. You know, I had to think outside of the box. I thought to myself, strictly takeaways and deliveries. Um, <laughs> now, I use my mom's old car for this, or she will kill me if she heard me, but I use my mom's old car for business, and it's really been helpful. Now, no one sits in, um, so we're avoiding the whole social gathering situation. It's literally a pen-go um, type of situation. You call in, you place an order, you collect and go, or you have it be... Uh, uh, be delivered to you now i think i've always loved cooking but um during the lockdown level five i found myself just trying out a variety of dishes i've got over 500 recipes um saved on my phone for which uh, i challenged myself to try on a daily basis my family became my judges during that time and although they wouldn't admit it it um they really did enjoy the numerous dishes <laughs> i'd also um post these on social media and i'd have my friends and followers asking why am I not starting something for myself because I'm good at it now this absolutely absolutely inspired my creativity now um business is not easy I won't lie to you when I started I didn't I didn't even know what I was doing honestly I know nothing about business besides what I learned while I was studying for my degree one that I'm hoping um, this business will help me complete because I had to drop out due to financial constraints now in business you need to be uh, patient you need to be in control you need to know that the customer comes before the profit but mostly you need to be willing to learn along the way I'm working towards building a brand that will create employment given the dire situation of the high employment rates in our country and um, Anyone is welcome to support this dream, of course, with contributions or donations to finance the business because I face challenges of having to let, um, you know, some gigs go, some business go uh, because I don't have equipment and um, no sufficient funding in this case. Now, these are the challenges that you face in business, but what you don't do is give up you know you always soldier on because um there's something you know that one thing that always motivates you it will keep you going um thank you so much thank you thank you so much the, the business buzz Welcome back to the Business Buzz. We are with our brand new heavy, uh, Sean. And uh, before the break, he was giving us uh, the the what we call the foundational story, you know, uh, just uh, his journey uh, over the years, um, where he started, where he's going, and the people that he keeps around him. Um, I want to continue with the, the theme, um, Sean, um, around people, you know, because you said that at the moment uh, you're growing your team and all of this stuff, you know, 
how how has that part of the journey been because you know one of the things for a lot of uh, business owners entrepreneurs is letting go because it's like a baby and then letting go of control of certain parts of your business and actually delegating it out uh, you know to other individuals whether they are smarter than you whatever it is like how have you gone about that how do you think about it oh that's been that's a great question actually that's not an easy thing for me and it hasn't been an easy thing for me to do so i can tell you that we've hired very and i can't say it's me that's hired everyone we as a company have select very smart people to join us in particular roles. And it's quite phenomenal when you do bring somebody else on board, whether that is a software developer, whether that's a designer, whether that's a marketer, they come on board and they just make you feel so stuck, right? About like how you think you were doing things before. That's the best feeling in the entire world as an entrepreneur because you realize, oh gosh, I've got somebody into this business that's able to sort of improve that function so much more than what I was able to do. And as an entrepreneur, your job really and certainly in our stage of the business, is to find phenomenal people for phenomenal roles and you know, really give them what they need to succeed in that role. And I can tell you, you know, finding the right talent is really difficult. It's even more difficult to have found the wrong talent and then have to let them go. And that's a painful process that we've had to, unfortunately, go through a few times at Revix because you know, we do want to operate as a high-performance team, which is, I think, very similar to you know, the way Man United or Chelsea operates, where you look at bringing together the best people and you think that they're going to gel really well together, but if somebody doesn't work, you sort of have to let them go and bring somebody else in so that team can continue to perform. So, I mean, people are so, so, so critical. I can't begin to tell you that. I mean, I think I write down every day what I'm grateful for. There's one point a day that I write down what I'm grateful for. And I can tell you this year alone, there must have been a good 20 days. And look, we're only 55 odd days into the year. Um, but I can tell you there's been about 20 days where I'm saying I'm grateful for my team because we've seen you know, insane customer growth. We've seen a whole host of little bugs creep up, whether that be you know, a login error or maybe like, you know, when we're executing a trade, the, the platform that we're using, they're just not operational. So we're having to like, you know, work around that. And our guys and girls in the team have just stepped up. You know, they've worked incredibly long hours. They've worked over weekends. They've just had the do what it takes mentality. And you know, as a founder, you can't ask for anything more than that. So you know, I am incredibly grateful for the team. That I'm and to anybody else that's listening, you know, if you're wanting to build a business, I'm telling you, start meeting people that you think are remarkable, um, meet phenomenal individuals and hire for competence. Don't just hire for a particular role. Generally speaking, early in a startup, you're going to be wearing so many different hats that you just need people that are really smart in general and that can apply that intelligence to different areas. So hopefully that's a bit of assistance there. And uh, how many people do you have now? And in terms of gaining skills, what what how what's the makeup of your team? Are it developers, salespeople, traders? Like how 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 is the business made up? Yeah, so currently we are sixteen people at Revix. Uh, we have grown from about nine at the start of the year, and we'll probably continue to grow to about twenty-two people before the end of June, which is a bit terrifying when you have payroll every month. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's, it's a dream come true, as I said. Uh, in terms of the, the makeup of the team, so to date, you know, we're FinTech, right? financial technology company. Now, I've decided that it's, it makes more sense for Revix to grow more as a tech company than a finance company. So until, I guess, until about June this year, we will have about two times the number of developers, software developers, that is, than finance or intelligent individuals within Revix. So at the moment, you're kind of looking at about a 70% split between software developers and everyone else. Um, and... Uh, the software developers are everyone from 
you know, roles from front-end development, data scientists, back-end developers, security experts, uh, product owners, product managers. And on the other side of the spectrum, you've got you know, our marketers, our product designers, uh, I suppose to a certain degree, we've got sales individuals, but the sales for us is a lot more, you know, you've got a B2B business, which is a lot more sales focused, and then a B2C business, which is a lot more marketing focused. And because we're a lot more of a B2C model, uh, we have a lot more marketing than sales. But I must say, you know, over the last while, the number of institutions uh, or, you know, it's just high net worth individuals that are interested in getting involved in crypto has meant that we've started to look at our sales on as well. So that's something we're going to be building out over time. Okay, that's actually, that sounds pretty cool. And one of the things, because it, it sounds like you've, you know, like you said, you've been, you've had the entrepreneurial bug for a number of years and uh, you, you know, detailed the story before the break about, you know, starting to manage uh, people's money and then um, getting into, I guess, starting your, your second company, you said uh, back in uh, 2016 and all of that. Where are those businesses? Have they been sold off? Did you shut them down? Yeah. So the first business I started now, this is not looking at like the, I'm going call them huge high school sort of university like businesses. The first proper business that we started with my best friend and I at that point in time, we wanted to introduce a university application system. We called it application portal that allowed you to apply for a multitude of universities through a single online portal and also be shown bursaries, scholarship opportunities, you name it, right? So there's currently nothing like that in South Africa. If you want to apply to BITS, UCT, Stellenbosch, you actually have to individually apply to each of these universities, which is incredibly painful. The other thing is to there's so many scholarship and bursary opportunities that are missed because people just don't know about them. So, you know, why not just aggregate all of that onto a single platform? And so that was the first thing that we did. We spent a fair amount of money and time building that. That was in my third year of university. Uh, we got to a government tender. And uh, this is the first time I ever learned about how difficult it is dealing with government. So uh, we, we did not win the tender. We, we lost the tender and unless you've got buy-in from every university in South Africa, you're just not going to be able to launch that product in this country. So we put it on ice. We said, well, listen, Brazil doesn't have that sort of system in place. India doesn't have that system in place. Those are big markets. You know, let's finish our studies and then we can come back to look at whether we want to launch this. Uh, as a 22, 23 year old guy, we got interested in something else. So, um, my best friend at that point in time went off to study law in the United Kingdom. I then went off and I started working in the world of finance and I got kind of carried away with that. Um, then I mentioned I started that higher proprietary trading firm. Uh, that firm landed up just being self-funded, uh, an investment firm. So naturally, once you've made investments, you sort of just wait to make the returns. Uh, it was something that I kept going until I started Revex. Uh, when we started Revex, I decided you know, I'm not going to be focusing on different businesses. I would to the investors be focusing on a single business. So I landed up just closing that business down. Then there was another company called Blocktree Capital that I started, and that was an advisory service in the crypto space. So again, dealing with high net worth individuals that want to invest one or $2 million into Bitcoin, one of the different cryptocurrency baskets that exist out there that we offer. You know, at that point in time, there wasn't a service like what we offer. We say, listen, come to our platform, sign up for free, and then invest in one of the bundles. There was, you know, if you want to get diversified exposure to crypto, somebody has to build that for you. And we were offering that to, to customers. And it was good for us. I mean, while we were running, it was fantastic. But it made me realize that I wanted something that was more scalable, something where people could essentially you know, manage their money themselves. And that's where Revix, I think, really the, the idea of what we we're looking to do. And Revix, it stands for Revolutionary Index or, or Revolutionary Investment. Um, and the idea around what we're trying to bring or bring to the market is that I truly believe that everyday people should become their own wealth managers. You shouldn't be relying on third-party 
fund managers is maybe this is because I come from the world of finance where I have a bit of an issue with a wealth managers taking fees and pretty much doing nothing on a yearly basis. So from my perspective, if we can you know, say to people, listen, you should be managing money just in the same way you should be managing your health. You don't go to a doctor and say, how do I be more healthy, right? You go to a doctor when you're sick, it's like too late. And it's the same as with you know, financial management. You, you need the sort of right framework, but you don't need to be going to a third party always to, to deal with your money, right? So by enabling people to sort of manage their own money, um, we want to empower people then to become wealthy and sort of achieve their dreams in that way. And that became a really strong mission. And it became something where I was like, okay, right, how can we actually make an impact on people's lives? You know, currently one of the greatest wealth generating opportunities. And if you look at any millionaire or billionaire, um, you know, nine times out of 10, they come from a, a history of making good investments, right? They'll invest in something, they'll hold it for a long period of time, and they'll be able to sell it and obviously reap the rewards from that. And that's nine times out of 10, how they made their money. And I just think that same principle should be applied to so many different people that exist out there and it's just not being applied. We rewind 25 years, people weren't able to invest in schools, right? You had to call a broker, the broker would trade for you and that was kind of just the way it worked. So today you've got this huge opportunity to sort of you know, manage your own money, to grow your own money, to become really uh, financially savvy um, but for some reason, it's just taking a lot longer to get there. So our job is to really accelerate that process. And um, so I think I've completely you know, gone off the topic there <laughs> on a bit of a side rant. But yeah, hopefully you know, that does kind of get to what we were talking about as well. Yeah, because I think one of the things I was then curious about is uh, because uh, it, it's, it's once again comes back to this uh, issue of, you know, people, because there's some people that are with you over a long time. There's some people that are with you for a season, etc. And uh, the teams that people have around them, it's always very important. So um, when you start, you know, one business and you move to another and another and another, um, you know, in the world of uh, technology, we talk about uh, the PayPal mafia. You know, how all of these guys that worked at one company called PayPal went on to start some of the most revolutionary companies from Tesla all the way to YouTube, etc. You know, so uh, I guess, you know, that's where the curiosity with people came in because I was then going to ask, um, you know, if there's anyone who's still with you, you know, now or have you sort of been, you know, having uh, finding yourselves in different stages? Yeah, so I really view business and life. I mean, it's not the same for everyone, so I respect that as well. But business and life for me are one and the same, right? So, like, I will happily start a business with a friend of mine as long as we outline the terms and we're both on exactly the same page. It kind of forces you to have good communication. And don't get me wrong, I know that ends in tears for a lot of people. Um, but I think if you go in there with the right intention and you understand what you're getting into and you make it very, uh, very obvious that that's you know, an issue that potentially could creep up. I think it becomes quite an interesting opportunity because those are people you trust, right? I mean, going into business with family has its benefits as well, as it sounds like, um, which I think is quite interesting. Another opportunity, I think, as a founder or as an entrepreneur is that you get the opportunity to meet and speak with really incredible people. So like Maniwe, I think, you know, in five or six years, who knows, maybe before then, you'll become, you know, a big voice in South Africa. You're already a big presence, but you'll become a bigger presence going forward. And those sort of relationships over time, you know, they grow and, you know, you end up then having a beer over a weekend or something like that, right? And then that network that you've built then feeds into my network. And that then kind of just, you know, you get introduced to somebody else and it just accelerates the entire process. And I think that opportunity is something that a lot of people miss out when they're just going to a nine to five and they meet the people that they're working with, but they never land up sort of jumping into the networks where you've got exponential value. And I think that's a big opportunity that people should just explore. I mean, 
I've had many failed businesses. Uh, you know, I don't even know if I can call them really failures. It's more just businesses where I learned a lot and then I went on to something else that I was more interested in. And that's really just what life's about, right? Like you do something that you enjoy until you don't and you move on to something else and you do that until you enjoy. Like, you know, work at the end of the day is a means to an end. That end is like, you know, having a good time um, and hopefully making money having a good time. Like that's the ultimate sort of, you know, win at the end of the day. And I think, you know, meeting great people, working with great people, working with smart people, that's, that's what this game is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this, uh, I've really been enjoying this conversation and especially, you know, all of the nuggets that you are throwing in our direction. Um, but as we, you know, round up, there's a couple of questions that we tend to ask all of our brand new heavy. Um, the first one is, uh, is on knowledge accumulation because, um, entrepreneurs need to, whether you're talking to people, mentors, whatever it is, you need to, uh, gain that knowledge. So what are you reading at the moment? Oh, what am I reading? I'm reading like four different books at the moment. Um, Atomic Habits was something that I recently Brilliant read. book. Uh, it's something that I would recommend. Yeah, a fantastic book. Uh, the Infinite Game by Simon Sinek is another phenomenal book. So uh, I've quickly gone a little rant about this. So, you know, you've got finite and infinite games. Uh, finite game really has known players, a known time period, and it has defined rules, right? Football would be a defined game. Then you've got the infinite game, which is life, right? You've got unknown players, the rules change, the objective changes and you have to adapt and you have to constantly be pivoting. And I think that's a phenomenal book to read, especially when you're going through a period of transition, because you just realize like you have to just roll with the punches. You have to just roll with whatever happens in life. So that's definitely something I would recommend. Um, something else I would recommend, and maybe this is for the finance geeks out there, is Radical Markets. Uh, Radical Markets, uh, for the times that we are now, it's a phenomenal book. So yeah, and I'm trying to think about, oh, the last one is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Uh, the story of the Nike founder. Top book. Honestly, top book I've read in the last two years. I really recommend going out there. And, you know, the audiobook's also brilliant. So that's that's probably the top of my reading. Okay. Uh, I I think out of the out of the four you've just mentioned, I'm happy to say that I know the one. Uh, I've heard about the Phil Knight book and I've and I've gone through the James Clear book on atomic habits. That's a, that's a brilliant one. Uh, definitely going to look for the other two. You know, I think, you know, we need to get a culture of reading, you know, uh, more in young people. Whether you're going to consume the book by actually reading through it or audio books, whatever it is, we just need to um, increase that culture. Um, and then lastly, you know, as is our tradition, uh, as a brand new heavy, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I, I'm going to take, I think, a stance here that I don't think a lot of other entrepreneurs are going to say on the show. So I'm a nihilist, right? I truly believe that there isn't much point to life, right? And I mean that from a very positive place. And that sounds weird to say. But I feel that, you know, I'm an atheist, I'm a nihilist, and like everyone's probably listening to this going like, oh my God, why are you building a business? Or why are you building a business? Then go, I hope so the car should feel sorry for yourself. But I think that makes things really interesting for me, really cool, because like the beauty in life for me is really just, you know, what I decide to make it. Um, and for me, like life is amazing because you get to say, right, I want to do something. And then you go out there and you get this like little, um, biological rush really when you accomplish that. And I absolutely love that about the way that I can approach problems. I'm completely obsessive as well. So when I dive into something, I really get carried away. And you know, I encourage that I battle actually with people that don't go full out to something. People that say like, listen, you need work-life balance, you know, great. And you know, I appreciate that that's what some people need. 
But for me, I'm like, no, it's like, you know, there's a life balance. Like you just need to go out and go completely crazy for what you do. So my legacy, what do I want to leave? I'm not actually too phased about leaving anything behind. Um, I want to give my family, you know, this, like the sort of support and love that they've given me. I perhaps I have a child one day and I'm able to sort of be off the sort of person that my parents have been to me. Um, and then I think I just want to be able to empower a lot of people through Revix itself, so people that actually work at Revix, to be able to you know, move up in their careers, achieve their own dreams, and feel just, I think, as excited and passionate as I do. And then on the other side of things is the customers that we actually serve from Revix is to actually fulfill our mission. Like it's one thing for a company to have a nice mission statement on the wall. It's a completely different thing for that mission statement actually to impact millions of people's lives, if not billions. And our big audacious goal really with Revix is to enable more than a million people uh, to have the ability to manage their own money. And you can just bring that money out of the fund management game into your own hands and you know you can then start managing your money. I think that can have a really big impact. Brilliant. I really like that. And you're right. You are the only person who's ever answered. I've been doing this for a number of years now. You're the only person who's answered that question in that way. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate your perspective. Uh, so that's been us, Sean Sanders, Revix, uh, insights into, you know, his life, uh, insights into the business. Um, you know, an important discussion just around, you know, the people that you surround yourself with. And I like one of the things that he was talking about to say that um, networks are important. You need to nurture, uh, you know, the some of those relationships, um, you know, clear and honest communication between people. Uh, very important. We often hear that uh, yeah, people, you know, should not go into business with their friends and family. Uh, but, um, you know, just taking what he's saying, it sounds more more like people should not get into uh, business with people that they have not set out realistic expectations and clearly communicated with. Um, yeah, and then just uh, ending off, um, also just uh, giving us some insight into what he's reading at the moment, uh, where he thinks, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess a little bit around uh, where the crypto uh, market is going, especially now that more high net worth individuals and institutions are becoming interested in the market. On the other side of this, we come to the end of the show. Thank you again, Sean. The, the Business Buzz. So with that, we've come to the end of today's show. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening. Thank you so much to Sean uh, for joining us and being our brand new heavy, the first um, of uh, 2021, 35 years and below, celebrating a young person in South Africa um, doing the things. Once again, just that whole story of, you know, uh, once upon a time saying that I want to be a rugby player, becoming a model, then mo then uh, managing money on behalf of his friends and then uh, starting in finance financial services and the world of finance and then starting his own crypto firm it is quite a fascinating story um, and uh, you know uh, we would definitely be keeping an eye uh, to see where his journey takes him on to next so that's been it uh, remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us let us know what you thought of our brand new heavy um, engage with us on uh, Facebook we have our FMO Voice of Vits our other Facebook pages Vits Radio Academy and then on Twitter at Val FM, and then our 
hashtag is hashtag business buzz you can also stream us live on viofm.co.za and remember that our podcasts are available on uh, the major podcasting platforms such as uh, apple podcast together with google podcasts and iono.fm so with that we've come to the end of uh, today's show thank you so much to our amazing team our technical producer is kotlano serame together with our executive producer uh, glory mabusa and our producers antando Trimba together with Simbarashe Honde and Slindlem Sibi. Don't miss the business by same time, same place next week uh, for more insight into the world of business. Don't turn that down. There's more great content coming up on the VOW FM lineup. So for myself, Mdio Mob, Justice Kavaza and the rest of the team, it is Take Care. The Business Buzz Podcast.